What is going on, everyone, and welcome back to Bears on Tap. Duke, Brandon, and Lucas look forward to putting their meat on the table in 2021 and beyond. Football is finally here. Like, it's it's officially here. Football season is back, and we are here to cover it for you. Obviously, we don't know if he's in quote-unquote football shape, but me personally, I think he's going to come out super rejuvenated and just absolutely eat people alive. Okay, dude, you've been feeding us the same crap for three years now going on four. Like, until we actually see this, we need to stop giving Matt Nagy the benefit of doubt that it's just going to happen. Listen, it's chicken or egg at this point. We're back. I am all the way reeled in on this team. I don't know how they continue to do it, but Justin Fields is our quarterback, and there is nobody on God's earth that can tell me anything otherwise that this team is not trending in the right direction. We ain't leaving. We ain't leaving. <laughs> You're such a jack. We ain't fucking leaving! Yo, 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 what is going on, everyone? Welcome back to Bears on Tap. I was I like, mean, am I just going to get cucked out of being seen the whole episode? No, that's, that's not what was going on, <laughs> B-Don. Um, we're Bears on Tap. We're Bears on Tap. Go ahead and give us a follow at that handle. Also follow on Tap Sportsnet for all of your Chicago sports needs. Low-key, dude, that, um, that like, basic trap beat at the beginning – um, you know, and that intro you made is it kind of goes hard as hell. I was I was vibing to it, and and um, today's kind of you're gonna see it's it's a distracting day. It's it's a Labor Day fun day. We're gonna talk about the last fifty three. This is kind of our last episode here where we're gonna be able to kind of just talk about nothing. You know, like Matt Nagy being a fraud. No, it's really no. We're gonna be able to talk about that a lot this year. But really, this is our this is our last episode here where we're just kind of messing around. Then we're gonna be on our schedule Wednesdays and Sundays unless there's a Thursday game, but. Wednesdays and Sundays, we're going to be doing our pregame and postgame, um, and we're going to have like legitimate shit to talk about. So I'm really excited about that. Go ahead and follow me at Lucas on Tap, and follow that pod guy Duke Duke Coughlin and Beat on 300, Mister Brandon Suarez. Gentlemen, how we doing? Uh, you know, I uh, it does kind of suck going a week without football, especially after getting the three weeks of the, or actually four weeks of the preseason because we had the Hall of Fame game. Um, you, so watch it's definitely, fo- you watch football on Saturday. Don't lie to me. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, college football, too, I guess. You know, I mean, I got my Wisconsin want, specific. Yeah, I don't want to talk about what happened on Saturday, but, uh, you know, I mean, we could also talk about what happened on Sunday, too. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I'm just, we've gotten the taste of NFL football. I think we're all just ready for it. You know what I mean? We're ready for week one. We're ready for that Sunday night football against the Los Angeles Rams, seeing our good old buddy Matthew Stafford. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be a good time. Beat on's dad's favorite team, also. So that's a big yeah. week for Beat on. I just have one question for you, real quick, Beat on. What's it like? I mean, how many games do you think Notre Dame Fighting Irish have won due to like the fact that they boost the NCAA's ratings and like dog shit happens all the time? Oh, I mean, we move the needle uh, when we play. Everyone <laughs> wants to watch. Brian, it. Brian Kelly, uh, an all-time executing full team. Whole lot of executing with the players at the end of the game, and like I, when I heard that, I obviously didn't know who John McKay was, or like I've never heard him say that quote. But that's like that's like old school football guy shit. That's like shit that our parents would have heard when they were playing football or when they were growing up. It doesn't it doesn't play that way in 2020. But to the people that understood the joke, it was funny, and to the rest of the world, it was 
a deep drive into left field by Cassianos, and that'll be a home run. Like it was, it wasn't great. And I honestly, like you said, man, that was a game that they they let slide. But NIU won on Saturday, so no one can take that away from me. That was insane. And now it's time to get the Bears to one and zero, and let's go one and zero each week. And hopefully, it's not too many weeks before we see our guy Justin Fields take the helm under snap. Definitely a big win for the Huskies, and I'm actually really I was I was super happy for you. Obviously, I'm not a Huskies fan, but happy I hope for you. you saw just, the picture of Hammy too. Oh my God, he was ecstatic. And Bidon had to go through an entire season. Like you think the Bears are rough sometimes with us. Bidon had to go through an entire season where they did not win a fucking game and do a yeah. podcast every single week. And the and the dude showed up. And, <laughs> dude showed up and punched his ticket. So um, and also he's gonna be having live shows. Plug your live shows real quick. Yeah. So real quick tomorrow at Fatty's Pub and Grill, who's also the presenting sponsor of Huskies on Tap. Uh, it's a great restaurant. They have great food there. We're gonna be hosting a live show tomorrow at six o'clock. Uh, we're going to be joined by Fatty-sponsored, uh, NIL-sponsored offensive lineman Braden Patton. We actually have a late addition to the show, his roommate, tight end Liam Sorahan. So, you know me. I got to get the trench guys in there first. I'm not going receiver or quarterback or safety for the first All show. meat and potatoes. Yeah, dudes, no all, the, all the trench guys. And it's going to be a great time. And honestly, I've never done a live show, so a little nervous. May may watch the, the M&M in the bathroom scene before I ride out. But it's going to be all much – it's going to be all fun. I can't wait to do it, and it's – it's good for the brand too. It's it's huge for the brand, dude. Don't yeah, they like? Don't they have like some like uh, like awesome potato dish or something like that? Like that they're famous. Dude, so for? yeah, let me plug that too because it's the greatest thing in the world. But it's like it's called Cajun potato salad, but it's like it's almost just like tater tots because they're kind of warm and the sauce that they have in it, bro. Like if you guys get to a live show, Duke, just order like a movie popcorn size bowl and you will. Like you're gonna need to bring some back to Kankakee for sure, because it's it's that it's that good. And then a gazillion TVs. There's so much space. And one of the things that I like the most about it, and we'll get off the topic, is they have like all Husky legends that made it to the NFL. They have their jersey hanging. So it's a it's like the most NIU place of all time. So I can't wait. No doubt, Fatty's right. Yeah, Fatty's Pub and Grill. Fatty's Pub and Grill in DeKalb, Illinois. It is. Yep. So make it out there if you're in the area. Um, should be a good time with Beaton and the Huskies that are going to be hot. They're going to be better than Buffalo this year. They're about to be the fucking kings of the MAC. I can't wait till we can get a live show for us. Maybe we go to Duke's, his sister's <laughs> restaurant or, or something, dude. That's going to be – that would be amazing. That's you a know possibility. Bear, you know Bears games That is a bottles, strong possibility, actually. They're bottles of emotions, you know what I'm saying? Like, to see all of us during an entire game. Like, I want to see you during a game, especially, Lucas, because you, you have some pent-up rays that you just let fly sometimes, and I love it. I mean, did you, I, you, you saw me out. Well, you actually, it was crazy. You said, I didn't see you. You weren't even at the game. Um, trying to get a beer. So you missed like 90% of everything, but it wasn't a good game anyways. Yeah. Uh, and we're not going to do too much pregame. Actually. We're just going to go over this roster breakdown and, and, and that stuff. So, I mean, anything, anything else you guys want to kind of plug at the beginning of this show or should we get right into it? Duke. Oh well, I was I kind of had a topic to run on if we wanted to. We yeah, we'll, we'll run on it for sure. You know, we got about an hour, so we'll. I need to right. do some. I need to do forty-two some running minutes after, running after yesterday for sure. Bidon also had to eat twelve hot dogs and went about it in the most ignorant way possible. Um, <laughs> just was like, yeah, I'm going to do everything. I'm going to do everything I shouldn't do before I eat twelve hot dogs. Like get absolutely hammed up after the north northern win. Um, yeah, go to the bar after the game, and then decide to eat twelve hot dogs after he's just belligerent. So that's always a good. That's always a good thing. 
But, all right, I mean, you guys just want to go by position here? Why? Well, let's start with Rodney Adams, right? Yeah, I, no, I, really, I was going to say, take that off the top. Because that shit, even though they got him back, that was so messed up. And, like, I think I, the last time ahead. I saw Brashad Perriman play, he was quality. He wasn't what he was supposed to be when he came into this league, and I don't think he ever will be. But if he can give us a productive possession receiver who has a little bit of speed in the tank, I'm not opposed to it. But like a guy that went to war to make this roster and did everything that was asked of him. And then some, he made Andy Dalton look good. You know how hard that is to do. And they find a way to, to cuck him. And then they bring him back. What was it on the practice squad? Right. So he's still part of the team, but like read the room, know how to know how to not make the lunch pail guys and the, and the fan favorites and the people that truly deserve to be on this team. Asshole, the week that they get cut and brought back. Like, we don't need another Bradley Sewell. That was the ugliest situation. They made him change his position. They probably had him living him in a trailer in the parking lot. It's like, well, we're going to cut you today and we'll sign you on Thursday. Be ready to play on Sunday. It's like, that's not how an NFL team should operate. And I hate manipulating the numbers. And it was a cuck move by your guy, Ryan Pace. I didn't like it at all. No, I, I, I have to say, I don't like it either. And I'm, there's one thing I want to preface this with because I feel like it happens every single year around cut time. And there's a lot of guys that we fall in love with in the preseason because we're yearning. We are yearning for football, right? So we're watching guys and we're like, hey, less and less starters are playing in the preseason. You never really see stars in the preseason anymore. You fall in love with guys. Rodney Adams is one of those guys, okay? He clearly played well enough to earn his spot on the roster. The thing that bothered me the most about it is how they – they after, so, in my opinion, it was a strategic move, right? I, I mean, hold on. I got a little jumbled up here. My thing is, you probably have a better chance. Uh, no, that, I'm a jack. I'm sorry. But my thing is, because I, I got four points I'm going to make. That's why. My thing is, if you get cut, right, you have a better chance of clearing and making the practice squad than you do of your team actually selecting like the guy you want for the practice squad. You get what I'm saying? So your favorite player, him getting cut is way more, uh, there's there's more of a possibility for him to not even get asked to make the practice squad by the Chicago Bears than actually another team claiming him off of waivers. It's so difficult for a team to actually, or it's so rare for, for players that aren't like the Ravens where that kid got picked up as a cornerback, right? Because they're super deep at that position. They just don't have enough room for this kid that should have made the roster. Those are the types of guys that get picked up. But a guy like Rodney Adams was not going to get picked up. Um, go fuck yourself, beat on. Another thing that I just really dislike is how it went down because I think that there are there's a manipulation tactic. You're not letting him go in that first round of cuts because realistically any single team that picks him up from waivers is going to have to put him on the 53-man roster, right? So if you don't let him go in that initial round of cuts, then – it minimizes his chances because everyone already kind of has their board. It's like, okay, we're going to make our moves. The waivers go through. And now it's like, okay, well, do you want to make room for another guy on your 53 man roster? So that's something that I think also was at play with it. I think a big, huge factor is the, Hey, he worked to earn it. Like, what does that tell your team? Right? Seriously. What does that tell your team? If, if, if he worked and did everything you asked of this guy to make the roster and you're talking about, putting a guy like Rashad Perriman who didn't work out on multiple teams. And I think he can carve out a decent role. I like him. He's fucking big, fast. I mean, what does he run? He supposedly clocked a four one nine at his pro day back in the day. And dude's like six foot two, two twenty. Definitely like what I, 
in terms of physical tools, that's what you want from a first round receiver, but to give him an opportunity over a guy that actually gutted it out. Okay, fine. He's a veteran. I can live with that. But the fact that they went and picked the, the fact that they went, no, Joey, I'm sorry that Joey just got me. The fact that they went and picked, this is number four Jagoffs. The fact that they went and picked up that kid. That's a punt returner off of waivers and essentially gave him Rodney Adams spot. That's what bothers me the most. Cause it's like, you had someone here battling it out, making it happen, making fucking plays, developing a actual chemistry with your bound to be starter. You know what I mean? It's just for those reasons, that's why it bothered me. Go ahead, Duke, you jag off. Wait, hold on. Just be- <laughs> I did the hands just because we don't have the graphic to like bullet point your point. So I want to make sure everyone was following along. And Did I not make four? No, no, you did. No, no, no you did. I want to say though, I'm saying like, we don't, you know, we got the stream now we're, we're moving on up, but we don't have like, you know, how when you watch ESPN, they got like, this would be Lucas's like four points. Just making sure people know what point we're on. Tune back into the stream. Yeah, I mean, we don't want people to get lost. You know, lunch fail, guys. Yeah, that's my number one priority whenever I'm watching this. Um, yeah, I guess the biggest thing um, I was actually—I mean, stuff. just to be fair, you know, on a on a fun day where there's no work, there's edibles involved. So sometimes, you know, I can get a little distracted. Hey man, your your words not mine, but I got you, bro. Um, you know, I guess I'm probably a little bit more optimistic about Brashad Perryman after watching some of his film. Um, watching what he did with the Jets last season, honestly, was incredibly impressive, especially against uh, New England Patriots. Um, if you guys get a chance to watch that game, I think it was their second matchup against them. Um, he he was tearing him a new one, and that was with Joe Flacco as, as his quarterback. So, you know, he's shown promise throughout his career. I honestly like him as like a comparison similar to like Robbie Anderson, except Robbie Anderson was an undrafted free agent and didn't really have any expectations. Whereas Perryman came into the league and was a first round pick and immediately had expectations. And he got drafted to a team that has yet to produce a legit number one receiver. I think their last one was like, um, oh geez, Derek Mason. Is that yeah, I think Derek Mason would be like the last legit Baltimore number one wide receiver besides maybe Torrey Smith. And that's, I think that's, Steve Smith was there for a year. I know Anquan yeah, Bolden went over I, there. Come on, Steve Smith. Anquan was the number one over they there get for guys, a little bit. They get guys though after they were the guy. You know, yeah, what I'm Steve saying? Smith like, was like a Carolina. Derek player. Mason was Derek Mason was their own. That was like a homegrown. But on the Anquan Bolden to Des Bryant scale, I would say Steve Smith was closer to Anquan Bolden. That's all I'm saying from when the from when the Ravens acquired. I'd take Anquan Bolden over Des Bryant. Anquan yeah. Bolden was a good player when they got yeah. him. Like That's he wasn't. Oh he yeah, wasn't I'm just Anquan saying, like, full body of work. I would take Anquan Bolden over Des Bryant. Oh, oh dude, dude Anquan Bolden was to. a dog. Yeah, was, like he and he played forever in this league. He honestly could have kept going, but he went to the Lions, which destroyed his career. But um, yeah, Des guess, did catch it though. That's for sure. Yeah, no, there, there's no doubt that about that. caught that fucking ball. Dude, I love that's like one of the two things I love bringing up at bars in Wisconsin is Des caught it and Brandon Bostic. Those are like my two favorite things to bring up, like in a conversation. Well, and I'd be more than willing to admit, right? Yeah, I'm more than willing to admit to Calvin Johnson that was a catch. The Bears should have lost that. Oh, yeah, no, 100%. That was a fucking catch, dude. But uh, I remember sitting in my buddy's basement. Take your ball and go home after the game, too. (laughs) (laughs) Like, how did they win that? How did that just happen? It's just so Lions. That was a really good game, though. That was when the Bears Lions games were actually really competitive. But um, I, I guess to kind of bring around to my whole point, 
Um, you know, obviously Rodney Adams is a great story. There's no denying that. And um, I'm glad that he is still within the organization. Um, you know, and kind of, I think I thought you made a really good point, Lucas, with uh, kind of how we glamorize the preseason guys. Like, you got to remember, like 2017, we were all in on freaking Tanner Gen- Tanner Gentry. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, it's those type of guys that kind of show up. That's how Javon Wims ended up being on our roster. As well. Javon Wims was a fucking freak one preseason. He literally yeah, he led was. the league in fucking in, uh, led the league in what what was it receptions or yards? Yeah, in the preseason. Yeah, uh, that, that's what I mean though. Like we 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 get really attracted to those type of guys. Whereas Rashad Perryman has had stretches in this league, even in Tampa Bay, he was really good, you know, and that was with famous Jameis throwing him the football. So, I mean, he's had stretches in this league where he's been a very productive receiver. Now we know our history. We know Matt Nagy's history with wide receivers. Um, It seems like it's a revolving door unless your name is Allen Robinson and hopefully Darnell Mooney. Um, So we're going to have to see how he gets utilized. Um, Is he going to be a guy that we're going to see in the slot? Is he going to be a guy that we want kind of on the outside in that speed, speed kind of uh position you know where he's you know he's still six two he can go up and get a ball and he can still play the outside and be you know take top off a of defense but um i i think it's a good high upside move you know it's it's a guy like i said who was drafted in the first round for a reason um i think he got put into a bad situation and i think the ravens gave up on him really quick and that kind of you know whenever you have a team give up on you that quick as a first round pick you usually bounce around for a little bit until you find your niche so Hopefully this is where he kind of finds a spot because after after Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney, man, we need a guy to step up and be that number three. You know, I Mark Marquise Goodwin's gonna be or yeah, Marquise Goodwin's gonna have every shot in the world to take that spot, but we need production right there. Well, and that's my thing though. I think Marquise Goodwin is that guy, and you have Demir Bird as well. That's why I just don't understand. Because if you're having him as this fifth option, and maybe he maybe you guys evaluated him so fucking high that he needs to be your third receiver. And he's going to be above Goodwin and above Bird. But then what does Bird actually show like, that he should be on this roster? That's why I'm saying I think it's I more so the – I don't Bird at all, man. Honestly. I think it's the aesthetic of him actually earning that spot. You know, It's kind of what I talked about with Ron Rivera a couple episodes ago. Ron Rivera said he would give this kid a chance to compete for, for a 53-man roster, and he stuck to his word. You know what I mean? This undrafted kid. I, I, forget, I forget now. It's a couple weeks away that I listened to it. That's what Rodney Adams was. And sure, he's your fifth receiver on the board or sixth receiver, whatever it is on the board. But how much did someone else out earn them that out earn that from him? What does that send to your team? Like this kid earned it for sure. Demir Bird wasn't really around. He didn't do anything impressive. I don't understand how you just give someone that slot over him. I just feel like for someone who's and sure, he probably doesn't add much special teams value. And I know that this kid that they got from the Vikings uh, or an, I'm sorry, where was he? Was he from the, the 49ers? Vikings? I think got him from the 49ers. This kid that they got, I know he's a gunner too, which is something that the bears desperately need, but it's just, it's the overall aesthetic of it. And then I think it's also cutting him late to make sure that they could stash him on the practice squad because he did have an impressive enough preseason, him and Jesper Horstead both where it's like, that's another thing too. Like, I think if for some reason the bears were going to try to get someone like Travis Gibson onto their practice squad, that's someone that would have gotten scooped up by waivers. Like that's the type of impact they need to have for all three games and also have the draft status, all that stuff with it. And Travis Gibson wasn't even coming close to being on our practice squad, you know, or like being on the chopping block. He was clearly going to make the 53, but I'm just trying to like kind of give you what types of players would get scooped up, you know? So here's some tinfoil hat beat on this and it's kind of like a crazy idea, but I feel like the NFL preseason, especially over the last few years has really like, lost any form of like credibility, I guess you would say like a lot of the 
the key players don't play at all anyways. So I feel like – I don't know how it would work out logistically, but say you have three preseason games. Say you schedule a preseason game against each of the teams in your division, okay? And you only play, the, like, roster guy 35 through all the practice squad guys so that no matter what, you know what you got with your starters. Like, you're, you're going to play them maybe in, like, game three of the preseason. But I feel like if they could model, like, somehow after how, like, NBA Summer League does – they can get a better look at these guys. Obviously, it's not going to be like a 30-game tournament, but I'm saying like if it's only the players that you know you need to take a look at, like you don't need – for example, we wouldn't have seen Andy Dalton. We would have seen David Montgomery. No, Allen Robinson didn't see him anyways. Darnell Mooney. Like I feel like there should be a different structure of the preseason and it needs to be changed to like get guys the best shot and give the guys evaluating a better look because once these players get cut – there's no XFL. There's no AAF. It's the CFL or bust. And there's nowhere for these guys to stay in shape and continue to progress as football players. I think the whole developmental side of the NFL is absolute garbage. It's, it is what it is. But I, I feel like the preseason could take on a different, a different format where we see guys like Rodney Adams play full games and play against other guys that we know, you know, hey, they're not going to take this snap off. They're going to be an insurance agent if they don't win this game. Yeah, I, I kind of can concur with that in some aspects, right? There's no reason Khalil Mack should take more than a series in the preseason. There's no reason someone like Danny Trevathan should have played the entire second half and then mysteriously wound up on fucking – or the entire first half of the third preseason game and mysteriously wound up on IR. Like, did he really need that much time? So for specific positions, a guy like Allen Robinson being held out, a guy like Jimmy Graham being held out, that doesn't bother me at all. But even, you know, someone like a Cole Komet, someone you know is going to get a lot of time, do you really want to – get him exposed to injury or even someone like Jalen Johnson, you know, he's your number one. Well, no, I'm saying work. more down the roster, like the guys like the Josh Woods of the world and the Iggy's and yeah, Rodney yeah. Adams and, and the Jesse. That's Davis what I'm saying. That, yeah. But I'm saying like guys that you could clearly sit in the preseason. Cause I don't think sitting everyone in the preseason too is going to do anything great for you either, because we saw it kind of backfired for a lot of teams other than the Rams that one year. Sitting I'm, saying, I'm saying though, I'm saying though, if, Every team did it, and it was just like it, it was. It was modeled after like how NBA summer league is. You still train, you still go to training camp, you still do all that stuff. It would even the playing field because some teams sit their guys, some teams don't. Some every team is inclined to do. It's up to them. Good. Yeah, and I get what you're saying. Yeah, if there was like an NFL, Roger Goodell put his hammer down and said, "Hey, this is how we're gonna do the preseason." I think it would be better. It would be different. Yeah, you know. Also, I think uh, I think something that teams should take advantage of, and I don't know the exact NFL rule on it, is I think they should go with scrimmaging just other teams more often during training camp. Like, even if they were to not have like a preseason at all, you know what I mean? Like, have have these types of practices like we had with the Miami Dolphins, but with like several other teams. You know what I mean? Like, maybe have like a kind of central spot where these teams can come together and just practice against each other. You know what I mean? Because that would be a lot more beneficial of giving your starters time and maybe not a game type atmosphere because they don't need that, but they do need reps at the same time against a fresh team that doesn't know exactly what they're bringing. That's why I really think, you know, my what, probably my favorite days of the year, every single year football season were the scrimmages because it was finally going against somebody. I knew that I wasn't going to play a ton because I was starting, but I was also going to be able to, you know, hit somebody that wasn't used to me. I was going to be able to see a look that I wasn't used to, but it also wasn't in the, 
in a 60 minute time limit. You know what I mean? You were able to kind of work together with this other team. You know, maybe coaches are a little bit weird about that because they don't want to show their hand too much in a practice situation. But I think, you know, watching hard knocks every single year, I think you see some of the best performances out of all the players during the scrimmages, during the, during the, you know, for sure. Raise the competition level. Exactly. And I think, playing with like malicious intent. I don't care what anyone I, says. Of I course, I mean to take us off the rails like that, but you get what I'm no, saying. Like, I, no, I get what you're saying. Right. You're he right. got we're cucked right. and now he's going to be on the practice squad. And he's not really going to get an opportunity. Like, he's going to get an opportunity. But he's not really going to get an opportunity. No, I get what you're saying, but I, I kind of get like with, with what Duke's saying, like we see that ramped up because they're not, like, this is a, I, this is a malicious game. I don't care what anyone says. Like you're not trying to actively paralyze someone. You never want to absolutely ruin someone's life, but you want to hurt people. That's part of the game. Okay. You're not, you, I'm sorry. If you're a football fan and that's not something you approve of, you're probably watching the wrong sport. Soccer's cool too. You know what I mean? And there is some contact, but they're not, you get what I'm saying? I just think like in the, the Euro it's champ, hard to do the Euro champ, Lucas Perfetti, the Euro but it's champ. hard to take that. Yeah, it's true. Say, Italy. We're going to be the most hated podcast in Europe. Now. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's, football, football. it's football. I'm just saying it's hard to have that malicious intent against your own teammates. It's, it's a different type of mindset that you get in yeah. and you go into an even scrimmage. And actually I wouldn't hate the idea of a spring league type thing. You know what yeah, I mean? Not like, 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 don't, that. don't outsource your shit to the AAF or the yeah, failed, yeah, um, XFL six times or see if like why not have yeah why not have a bunch of those guys that never made a roster but maybe have been bounced around practice squads for a few years why don't you have them compete on five or six different teams and really try to evaluate and see if you could pick over things like that give some guys exactly. more opportunities you know I don't I don't hate the idea you know what I mean like guys that clearly are not on NFL rosters and are you're not going to have Allen Robinson playing a spring read, but guys that like, if they go into a training camp, like they're not going to be expected to play right away. They can have a recovery time during training camp and then come in as a reinforcement, maybe to be scout team, maybe extend the scout team. I, mean, I don't see why they don't have bigger practice. Squads. Let's it doesn't be make honest, a lot of sense. Let's be honest, the way Allen Robinson agent works, he might be playing in that game. Well, you know, <laughs> I, I think, I think actually um, one thing that we used to do in high school I mean, I, I played at a fairly competitive high school, so we were, it was kind of a year-round program that we had going on. But uh, during the spring and summer, we had something called Summer League where it was like it would be like a passing league type thing where all the receivers, running backs and quarterbacks, defensive backs, linebackers, safeties, and stuff like that would all go all go up against each other in like six-on-sixes. But we would go – we would Seven-on-seven? Seven out of seven, yeah, whatever. But um, Wisconsin shit. Whatever, <laughs> That's how you know would, he's a lineman. But we would travel to like different we would travel to different schools every Wednesday during the summer and we would it would be like a fresh look, you know, for wide receivers, cornerbacks and all that different stuff, you know, getting quarterbacks through the reads for the first time. I think that would be really beneficial for, you know, not you wouldn't need Allen Robinson or Donnell Moody and that type of thing, but a guy like Rodney Adams or, you know, a guy like Trey Roberson or, you know, even a guy like Jalen Johnson in year two, or even as a rookie, would that feel like that could have benefited him a lot? Like you know, because yeah. Dildor Shelley. Yeah, and I mean, even if you wanted to uh, toss out your starting corners out there, that gives uh, that gives some rookie wide receivers or some undrafted guys a chance to actually get some reps against a meaningful cornerback. And dude, that can drive up some competition right there. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't hate it. Um, but now that the preseason's over, 
and the selections have been made. We didn't do a show talking about the first cutdown because we knew there were going to be some Rodney Adams type situations. Guys were going to get moved to, uh, to IR. Tevin Jenkins, obviously. Uh, Danny Trevathan, which I don't even think it's a disclosed injury. Also, there was a update from Ryan Pace on the Tevin Jenkins injury, and they said finally relieved a little bit. It was uh, Ryan Pace said that there were some symptoms that he didn't feel in college, and pretty much he had something going on with like a nerve getting pinched or something, and it was causing pain in his left leg. So it was something that they never fixed in college, and they it looks optimistic, or at least that's what they're saying. Here's the thing. When you're not transparent about anything, no one can fucking believe anything. So that's the problem. So right now the prognosis is optimistic, and he doesn't have any symptoms anymore, which it was pain in his left leg from a pinched nerve. And that actually, to me, like a lumbar fusion, that's kind of I think what happened with uh, Chris Williams or whatever – that type of stuff scares me a lot more. So knowing that they were just like, Hey, we got to kind of remove this blockage type thing and, and, and relieve some issues from this nerve. That makes me feel a lot better about Tevin Jenkins in the future and possibly coming back this year. But still, we don't know. We know that uh, Tariq Cohen got placed on IR. He's going to be gone for at least the first six weeks. Had something kind of come out a couple of weeks ago about how, Oh yeah, he had a little bit of a cleanup job. What, why don't you tell people this? Like it's, there's a point where being, transparent can benefit you like it, like telling people part of your hand. I don't know. It just seems like they're not willing to, to give anything or, but it's all a bluff. And when it's all a bluff, then no one could believe anything you're doing ever. You know what I mean? It's just, you, it's like, you're setting yourself up for this. If you're partially transparent, if you were just like, Oh yeah, by the way, during uh you know, mini camp tree cone had, it's a little bit longer. He had a, get a little scar tissue cleaned up. Now no one's going to ask about that until like week four of the season. No one's going to be surprised when he's fucking put on IR instead of, or the PUP instead of IR for the three weeks, like no one would be surprised, but then people are surprised questions get asked and people get fucking pissed off, especially in this market. Well, yeah. And I mean, it's easy to just, you know, dude, throw people a bone every once in a while. Like we don't need every single detail, but like you said, Lucas, just like, just to tell them it was a procedure to clean something up after an injury that Tariq Cohen took, like it's understandable, you know what I mean? Like this is a type of recovery that you have to go through when I what was it, MCL or ACL? ACL. It's not something you want to hear, but it's routine. Exactly. That's and that's something that happens, you know what I mean? Like we had to deal with this with a lot of a lot of athletes in Chicago, and for the most part the teams were pretty transparent about it. Especially when it comes to a guy like Tariq Cohen when we don't really have a wide open view of our running back room past, you know, uh, David Montgomery, because let's be honest, you know, Damian Williams, yeah, that he looked all right in the preseason and we expect him to be great. But, you know, there was a, probably a reason why other teams weren't necessarily pounding his door down to sign him either. You know what I mean? So yeah. there's there's things we need to kind of know about this offense moving forward. And I understand not tipping your hat, but at the same time, like what it, what is that going to stop? But what is that going to achieve for other teams? You know what I mean? They're not going to prepare yeah. for what you, Cohen. And your scheme's clown shoes anyway. No one fucking respects you in the NFL anymore. Like, it's very clear at this point. Every announcer's out there calling him out. The Justin Fields thing you think was going to help him actually ended up hurting him because he's not starting Justin Fields week one. Everyone's pissed off about that. People are coming out with outrageous takes like Mike fucking Greeny or whatever, which you kind of got to believe. You, you, you have to kind of trust the consistency, right? You're not yeah. starting Justin Fields, not because Andy Dalton is outperforming him so much, but because you you don't think he's ready. So if he's not ready, why wouldn't Nick Foles be the third or the second guy off the bench if, if Andy Dalton goes down week one, right? Because he's not ready now. Why would he be re- re- ready after halftime? You think seeing uh, half of live NFL action is going to help him be more ready? You know what I mean? So you just do dumb shit 
and Andy, dumb shit comes back around to you. Andy Dalton getting just absolutely eviscerated is going to make him want to go in the game anymore. <laughs> well, and, and not even I, – I don't think he would back down from the challenge, but it's just – you know what I mean? Like when you, when you respond and conduct yourself in such a clownish manner regularly, clown things start coming back to you like that Greenberg take. No one in their right mind thinks that Nick Foles is better than Justin Fields, but it's by that logic, by the Chicago Bears logic, if Justin's not ready – why would he be ready if Andy Dalton goes down? He's either ready or he's not, right? So that's just that's just fucking part of that's that's comes with the territory of some of the stupidity that's been coming out of Hallis Hall. This is why it's hard to trust them, right? Um, but yeah, let's get rolling. So obviously, pretty 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 easy to know that Dalton Fields and Foles are all on the roster. I talked about it last episode that they tried to have to they would have had to try to move him. Um, but I don't think there's any market for him. You know, Cam got cut. I don't think he's been picked up yet, which was – that broke my heart. I'm not going to lie. I went back and looked at his highlights from the Panthers because Cam was – he played fine in the preseason. He didn't play bad. He was fine, but he missed like seven or eight days of camp. And you know Belichick. A lot of people want to boil it down to something, but at the end of the day, the Belichick – protocol, I think. He had like a close contact or something. Yeah. Spit out. Not even that. It's just – Belichick is known for letting a guy go a year too early rather than a year too late. Like he's willing to cut it off early. He, you, we've seen him do it with a ton of veterans that everyone was shocked about. And then a year and a half later, they're just dog shit. You know what I mean? So I'm sure he saw that with cam and then him missing we time. because cam of, like that. Hey, listen, I <laughs> like, I, I love cam like Superman cam. I, that's to me. NFL is, was close to its peak at that time because it was before they really started getting like crazy with the safety stuff. I mean, they were moving that direction, but to me that Legion of boom, like Marshawn Lynch era with cam and the fucking Broncos with Von Miller in his prime, like that was a really special time in the NFL. And he was someone that I really enjoyed watching. So it's really tough to see. Um, but let's get back to the bears. Uh, so yeah, Nick Foles isn't going anywhere. Then we have uh, Dave Montgomery, Khalil Herbert and Damian Williams, not in any order. I would assume Damien's the true number two. Tariq Cohen's on the pup list. As I said, he's out for the first six weeks. No shockers there. Um, then we have Graham, Holtz, Horstead, James, and Komet. And uh, we're, we're going to talk about this one a little bit because a lot of people seem to be kind of irked that they're, that J.P. Holtz made it or that there were five tight ends in general. First of all, it, it doesn't come as that much of a shock to me. The Bears have carried five tight ends before. Not crazy. Second of all, I don't mind carrying an extra tight end and one less receiver or one less running back because tight ends are built like fucking linebackers. And that's really handy for special teams. You know what I mean? Like Bears need guys that can make tackles on kickoff and on punt. So I don't I don't mind it. And to me, Jesper Horstead did exactly what Rodney Adams did exactly he proved himself and he earned the spot on the roster and if anyone should have been on the chopping block it was jp holtz yeah i think a lot of, i think a lot of what that comes down to is uh them being strategic with their roster spots right now knowing guys are going to be coming back in the next few weeks um and i could see them trying to see what jesper horse said can really do in that jp holtz type of role like i wouldn't be surprised if we saw you know jesper horse said lining up in a fullback if Matt Nagy ever were to decide to run the I formation. We all know how he feels about that because he didn't come here to run that. But, um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they kind of gave him an extra look. You know what I mean? Because this is like the third preseason in a row where Jesper Horstead's looked really, like, really good. And J.B. Holtz, you know, he holds that 
you know, role with what he's done in, you know, blocking and all that. But if we can see like a better look of Jesper Horstead in an NFL game, I could see the offense giving him, giving them the chance. And by the time a guy like uh, Tariq Cohen comes back, you know, JP Holtz being the odd man out, or, you know, Jesper Horstead could also be the odd man out. You never know. So um, I could see them kind of messing around with that a little bit throughout the first few weeks. Um, I think they're going to test, you know, mess around with their offensive line as well. Um, If they see an offensive lineman, you know, get cut or, uh, you know, go to free agency or hit waivers for any reason. They could also drop one of those tight ends and grab them as well. I think it's kind of just saving one of your roster spots while keeping someone familiar in the building. That's how I personally feel about it. To be honest, B-Don was 100% accurate in saying that I, I freak out about. Like, I'm, I'm weird because I'm really usually pretty cool, but that's that's something that, like, if you saw me live after – if J.P. Holtz were to get kept, say Danny Trevathan comes back and they need to get a roster spot, if they kept J.P. Holtz because of the idea of him being an F over a backup U tight end who is monumentally more useful and impactful and important in this offense – I will blow a gasket and I don't blow gaskets over low level guys getting turned over at the bottom of the roster. You didn't see me get real upset about Bradley Sowell or Rashad Coward or any of these guys getting bounced back and forth from the roster. That would fucking bother me because it's just, it makes no sense. And we're going to get into the offensive line in a second, but beat on go first. Cause I'm going to tie this into the O line too. Yeah. And I think we've talked about it earlier in the, I guess you would say off season that I think Cole Komet's really going to get more looks and more touches in the passing game. And if he has to come out of the backfield and play the fullback position, that's something that he's more than capable to do. But yeah, like if they kept him on the roster to, to put JP Holtz up there over Cole Komet. That's just the bald fraud doing what the bald fraud does. Just for so, horse that my guy, we're not talking about your guy Cole. Oh, I thought you were talking about J.P. Holtz. So in the middle of a draft, too. He's a fraud. It is fun day, though. Dude, you're a cocksucker, dude. I literally was <laughs> trying to do this. I was trying to do the pot at seven. I was, like, going 100 on uh, on Plank Road, trying to get back to the crib, get everything set up. But uh, either way, Horstead, Holtz, doesn't matter. Like, Cole Komet was drafted in the second round for a reason, correct? He didn't get the I, lipstick, he didn't get the I lipstick think he was supposed to last year. He, I, I, but that doesn't bother me because he was so young and it's so tough for someone to really adjust to the NFL game. People have we, like the narrative that he's trash and it's like, dude, we haven't even seen him yet. No, we Here's haven't. You're right. I don't listen to those. And they They're dumb. Them. Yeah, beat on. I understand why you got your sword up for Cole Komet because when you hear tight end and, and I like, I get baby, it. I call them baby Gronk in an article and my friend makes sure to let me hear about it every week. Oh, every God. time he drops just, a pass. He's going to be their number one tight end this year. He will. Cole Komet will be their number one receiving option at yeah. tight end this year. No doubt about it. It's yes. it's going to be clear as day, and everyone's going to everyone's going to be silenced. Um, but now to tie this into the offensive line, because you like I was saying, how much use does someone like? I just drafted David Montgomery. Nice. How much use does someone like uh, you know JP Holtz have over a Horstead when you talk about positionally, right? Now you look at our offensive line. This is who was kept. Bars, uh, Borum, Daniels, Afedi, Musfer, Peters, Simmons, Whitehair, and then Wilkinson. Okay, pretty predictable. <sighs> but now we're having word Wilkinson that Wilkinson game, gets moved over to right tackle instead of left because clearly he was getting his shit rocked at left tackle. When I'm talking – like people want to talk about putting up Charles Leno highlights. Slobber knocked. I would love for someone to go ahead, those same people that were saying Wilkerson's a better option, I'd love for them to put up the same exact plays that were happening with Wilkerson. Wilkerson was getting moshed, bro. It's to the point where he is – I have put a tweet out today. He is the new Rashad Coward in my eyes because, right, Rashad Coward is supposed to be a swing tackle. 
Then he's supposed to be a right tackle. Then he's supposed to be a guard. And now he's a starter. He had no business ever being on the roster. Maybe a practice squad guy. Cool. He should have never been on the 53 man roster. Elijah Wilkinson is the same exact way. If something happens and Jermaine Fetty were to get hurt, they're going to put Elijah Wilkinson in there and he's going to be just as ineffective at right tackle as he was at left tackle in the preseason playing against backups. It's going to look really fucking ugly and he's going to desert. He's going to like get this spot over Alex bars for six weeks until he gets hurt. He's going to break his foot and then they're going to put Alex bars in there. They're going to be like, Oh my God, dude, we had someone all along. Yeah, no shit. Like I don't think he's rosterable in an, on an NFL roster. He, he was that bad. And, I'm like so much more for the players. A lot of the times I'm going to blame the scheme. That's just me because I, I love the players and I've had a long history of disappointment with the Chicago Bears front office and coaching staffs. But it's just like it's clear as day, man. He's not a, he's not an NFL caliber tackle or guard or anything for that matter. Dude, uh, so straight up, if because for some reason, especially when it comes to Alex Bars, I'm really glad you brought him up. For some reason, there is this like slander with Alex Bars that he did magically didn't look good at a certain position that he played. I, I'm open. I'm doing an open challenge to anyone watching this right now. If you can show me highlights of Alex Bars looking bad at right tackle, please send them to me. And not because just one off fucking clip. Please don't yeah, send no. me one clip. Everyone has a bad play. These guys are playing against NFL athletes as well. Dude, give you, me a, give me a full one. thread. If you find one, Duke will wear a Notre Dame hat during the Notre Dame-Wisconsin game. I'm not making that promise at all. Zero percent. <laughs> uh, but no, seriously, I, I want someone I want someone to prove me wrong here because I see Alex Bars as someone who has just impressed me so much over the past two years. You know, He was a guy who didn't really get a ton of a look um, in 2019, but in 2020, the second he came in, there was just an entirely different feel of the offensive line. It didn't matter if he was playing right guard, right tackle. I believe he took – snaps at center too before Mustafer went there like he's a guy who can do a little bit of everything and beat on I know for a fact me and you have said this a million times when you're an offensive lineman in the NFL it doesn't matter what position it is you're playing the offensive line and that's what a guy like Alex Bars can do I'm really high on Alex Bars I think I I, I Alex Bars is the only guy that is interchangeable in the way that the coaching staffs acts as players are interchangeable like he's really the only guy I think white hair as well but Alex Bars is really that only guy that is a Swiss Army knife on the offensive line. He's yeah. got a, he's a weird body type that he's able to play center through tackle. That's not normal. Yeah, and Cody Whitehair. That's that's I'm really glad you brought that up because that's why I'm so high on Cody Whitehair. That's why I think he's been our best offensive lineman for almost since the day he was drafted at this point because he can legitimately play every off off every spot on the offensive line. That's kind of like uh, when we drafted Kyle Long originally. That was really a big benefit. Like Kyle Long saw snaps at almost every spot on the offensive line, and that's what made him so valuable. You know, well, if you if you go out there and you play 100% and you're as big and as talented as a guy like Alex Bars is, I'm not saying that, you know, he's necessarily the most talented guy in the world, but when – that, that shows compared to a guy like Elijah Wilkerson, who just looks completely lost in his footwork, cannot cover the edge whatsoever. Jermaine Effetti is incredibly terrible on the edge, and we knew this when we got him. I don't know why we continue to try to convince ourselves that he's going to be an edge offensive lineman. He just can't do it, bro. It's been it's been proven. It's over with Jermaine Effetti at right tackle. So I, I really – I don't understand how you can't at least try Alex Bars there. I am surprised we didn't try him there in the, in the preseason. I don't know how that looked in practice, if he got snaps there at all. I didn't see anything about that. But it just feels like we're wasting a spot on a guy that's – or we're wasting a guy that is insanely valuable to an offensive line, man. Well, and that's the thing too. Like you have scrimmages. You weren't – 
why did you have to wait till now to make that switch and give Larry Borum all the work as your backup left tackle? Like he's clearly the guy that was going to do it. He even seemed like he was going to be the guy that was going to take that spot from Tevin Jenkins and Tevin should have just played in his normal position, which is kind of looking like it's heading to in the future. If Borum is able to work out as a tackle, I think it's going to be on the left side. I think they're going to keep Tevin on the right side for the future. I don't think they're going to ask him to switch positions after, especially if he comes back this year, mid injury, like coming back from an injury. And now you want him to switch positions and learn a different, you know, uh, a different, essentially, uh, what do you call that? Muscle memory of, of kind of backing up. Cause you got to think too, you're opening your gate when you're fucking, when you're an offensive lineman, like when you're in your pass blocking set, like you, you have to, there, if you're on the right side versus the left side, I right? You're used the video. I love seeing the videos of them doing that. Well, you're used to opening. You're used to backpedal. You're used yeah. to making that right foot your first fucking step back, right? You're used to shooting back with that right foot, and you're used to opening your gate with your with your right foot. To ask someone to just change that to their left foot is not as easy as people make it out to be. And I do believe that. I don't think like because there has been a lot of kind of word out there that left tackles aren't as important as they used to be. And I, I kind of agree with that. I don't think left tackles in protecting the blind side as is as important as just having two good tackles. Like I think having a really good right tackle is also super beneficial because a lot of teams have, have also said, Oh, you know what? Yeah. We know that your best fucking lineman's at left tackle usually. So we're going to start lining our best pass rusher up against your right tackle and we'll put him right in the face of your guy. Like, and a lot of the pressure is trying to come from the inside now. A lot of these guys are able to step up, manipulate the pocket, escape from the pocket. So it's a lot shorter distance to cover coming from an from a, uh, interior lineman position than it is from coming from an edge position. And that's why you see guys like Aaron Donald really starting to push stock. Vita Vea, like these guys, like like the, the league evolves, right? And I think that blindside was a huge thing in the Peyton Manning, you know, I guess it's still the Tom Brady era, but the, a huge thing in the in the Peyton Manning era, and I don't think it is as important. You know what I mean? So it's like if it's not as important, why why do you have to move the kid over? Why not have him play his natural position and be the best he could possibly be and just lock down your right side for the next 12 fucking 14 years? Yeah, or just don't be shitbags and find players that play the positions that they're supposed to play. <laughs> and, if you have, and, if you have, and if you have a utility player like a guy like Alex Mars, then use him like that. You, well, don't that's need, another- you don't need to turn everyone on your offensive line into that because it's 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 hard as it's hard as all hell, bro. Like, dude, you play line. I know you never made it to the NFL, but three hundred pounds on three hundred pounds is still a lot of force. You got to have the technique. You got to have the footwork, and you got to just be a mean son of a bitch. You just got to be ready to just go to work and just punch someone in the mouth at all times and to protect your quarterback and your guys. And it's like, you don't find quality. There, there is no quality alignment factory that you can just find alignment and build them at like a build a bear. But it's like, you can't expect everyone to play multiple positions. But when you have a guy like Alex Bars, you need to use it to your full advantage. You can't me, expect everyone to be able to do it. Though. To me and an ideal. Oh, okay. Sanderson. I'm sorry. I haven't been seeing your thing. Thanks for listening. Sanderson 19, 19- 861 he's talking about tight ends i'm a little bit back on here but um he says how sweet would it be if borman jankles jenkins were the bookends for fields it would be a pretty quality fucking draft for ryan pace that i'm not gonna lie getting your quarterback and both your tackles for the next four years that would be uh super super sweet that would be an elite level draft even if you did trade away a bunch of capital um so that would be really nice but no yeah i think and when you talk about alex bars People forget, man, he would have been like a third-round pick. He was the leader of the best offensive line in fucking college football that year. Am I not right, Edon? As someone who huffs all the Irish farts and literally gets to the other side of the rainbow and swallows everyone on that side. Last year, four of our offensive linemen went to the draft, and the year that he came out, I think it was either three or four. It's consistent. 
Harry Heastan was the coach, and we couldn't even figure out how to use Harry Heastan. So, that, I mean, I'm going to say it fr from the other side of the fence. If it comes from Notre Dame, it ain't broke. It gets broken here. That's, That's the only way. It wasn't broke when it left Notre Dame, but it got broke here. You're well, I mean, for that, but no, yeah, he did tear his. <laughs> he had a pretty pretty rough ACL tear that it took him a while to come back from, um, longer than normal. Which I think ACL tears actually for linemen are probably worse than um than they are for for skill positions at this knees, point. Because knees are just terrible, dude. That's that's where you're setting up all your explosion, all your weight, especially if you hold weight as an offensive lineman, dude. Your knees are so freaking important, man. That's what I'm saying. I think the the like the medical technology and science of it has gotten so advanced where like running and cutting on a, on a fixed ACL is not difficult, but bearing that weight of huge men fucking come, you know, trying to anchor yourself down, open that gate and, and get, get your uh, arm separation and all that stuff. Like do your punch. That's, that's difficult, man. That's not, it's, it's way more sh strenuous on that, on that horse ACL than, than it is for a running back trying to make a cut in a hole. That's my well, personal opinion. Well, I mean, and, I mean, different sport, but Zach Levine, I think, said it best. And this is usually the example I usually use is uh, when you tear your ACL, it feels like it feels like driving a car without brakes. Like you could still go. You can still go fast. You can still, uh, you know, make moves and all that. It's just it's a lot harder to stop on a dime. And yeah. It, you know, and, and that makes a lot of sense. Um, if I can make one final point about the offensive line um, with where we're at and with where the season could potentially go, if this offensive line really isn't that great? I, I feel like if we have a guy like Jason Peters staying healthy, like if Jason Peters finds a way to stay healthy this year and kind of play at least halfway what he's capable of in the past, I, I don't see a reason to, to rush a guy like Tevin Jenkins back, especially if we're going to like kind of look at setting him in a fixed position of where we want to put him next year. And we kind of have our, you know, our minds changed just based on who we see play this year, especially a guy like, like Larry Borum. Um, I, I just don't see a reason to rush him. You know what I mean? It, that would seem like kind of a unnecessarily aggressive move on a team that, you know, I like I said, I don't want to declare the team's like season right now or anything like that. But if, if we're not going in the right direction, what the fuck is the point of bringing him back? Yeah. And my, my biggest, I mean, you say 50% of Jason Peters, if we can get 35% of the 2015 Jason Peters, the Bears are actually in good shape on the offensive line. Bro, Jason, Buffalo Bills Jason Peters was the real Jason Peters, man. Even, even, yeah, he was a freak as well. But, I, I mean, honestly, we're talking about a guy with a Hall of Fame career. And, like I said, if they're able to get something out of him, that their only weak spot on the offensive line is then Jermaine Fetty. And you could work with that. But having both tackles be a complete liability is tough. So, it remains to be seen. We obviously didn't see Jason Peters in the preseason at all. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm really intrigued by that because if Jam, and that's another big fucking, if, if James Daniel stays healthy, then you have a really, really nice interior. Sam Mustafer made it through the, made it through and found his way to get his starting job again. Um, he was more than solid last year. I would call him a borderline. I'd say this year he could have the type of season where he's like considered a pro bowl alternate and that, but the uh, same thing with pro bowl. It's, it all depends on how good the bears are. If the bears are four and 12, they're not going to notice fucking an undrafted free agent and his second year starting Sam Mustafer, and they're not going to give him any type of love. But that's if for what some we're here reason, for, though. That's what we're here for, though. Fans are only a third of the vote. <laughs> fans are only I a will, third of the vote. I will just eviscerate my laptop voting order. Yeah. All right, now let's get in. Obviously, we talked about the wide receivers a little bit, but it's Bird, Goodwin, uh, Mooney, Rashad Perriman, Allen Robinson, Webster, 
Um, now, when we look at the defensive line, you got Angelo Blackson, Eddie Goldman, Akeem Hicks, Bilal Nichols, and Kyrus Tonga. That's another guy too, right? Kyrus Tonga was the type of guy where it's like, he played so well, you might lose him. You know what I mean? Like that's another guy. If they were to, for some reason, try to get him to the practice squad, wouldn't have been a huge fan, but also a guy that I could see being on the chopping block and going to the practice squad when some of these guys get healthy and have to come back. That's, that's going to be an interesting, that's going to be an interesting argument because I I really think Tonga showed a lot. I think, I think he showed he's going to be similar to the player he was in college football. Maybe not necessarily as dominant right from the jump, but dude, he was eating up run. He was eating up the run completely. Like, and he, he, uh, I don't know, man. I just, I really love him as, as a player and I'm really glad to see him on the final roster, but you know, I'm with you, dude. I don't think he lasts on the, on the practice squad for a day. Like if we were to try to bring him on the practice squad, I think a team grabs him immediately. I think a guy like Belichick, I think a guy, I think any team that needs any sort of interior defensive line help, they snag him up immediately. So I would, I have a really hard time with that. I think he is a number one backup to Eddie Goldman. And with Eddie Goldman not playing at all last year, I think we need to have a guy ready to go. And Eddie I Goldman's going to fucking rip people's arms off this oh, year. Oh, dude, and I agree with you, dude. I love Eddie Goldman. I'm so glad he's back. He looks like he's in such good shape. Like, this is some of the best shape I've ever seen him in. You know, Better shape this, than when he was in college, for sure. Yeah, Maybe I mean, dude. Just let him train by himself, then. Clearly, the ball farters at Hallis ain't getting them. Yeah. Oh, dude, I don't even want to talk about Matt Nagy. He he completely befuddled that entire situation. I guarantee Eddie Goldman doesn't have a ton to say to that guy every single day. But I really think having a guy like Tonga behind him, you could also learn from a guy like Eddie Goldman. And you know who knows? You know, with how we need depth on, especially on the defensive line, because we really don't have a ton right now. Um, and we have an interesting situation coming up next season with Blyle Nichols as well. You know what I mean? So there's going to be a lot of stuff moving around and I really want to see, I really want to see us keep some of these young guys. Cause I don't think a guy like Tonga lasts on a practice squad. Well, you got to think we're going to at least have three guys come back. And the one I'm looking at, because obviously you have Jenkins and Trevathan on IR Cohen's on pup. And then don't forget about Mario Edwards jr. Who actually got a contract that plays defensive line as well. Um, you know, he plays that three, four end. Mario's and stud. he's always he's, looked good in that in that defense. Yeah, he's yeah. a stud, and he's he's hey man, he's on he's not on the fifty three man roster because he's suspended right now. So, are you going to want Kyrus Tonga? You going to want Travis Gibson? You want to give up Travis Gibson spot? You know what I, I mean? Would, like I would give up Angel Blackson spot. They just didn't they just sign him too? I would give him up, dude. I, I really think a guy like Chris Tonga. Tonga is special, bro. And dude, he was I, like the number one guy at BYU for a while. I'm not bro. saying like, I don't think Tonga's a beast. I do. I think he proved himself in the fucking like I think he deserves his roster spot, but money's a factor in this shit. Is it not? Yeah. Well, is there a reason why Robert Quinn is starting over Travis Gibson? It's because he's getting paid $14 million. It's not because he outperformed him in the fucking preseason. It's not because he can sit there and play the pitch man on an option. Like, like, I, we saw that. We saw that. <laughs> like, why else would he be starting right now? He's not a fit for our defense. And he's the type of guy where I was talking to the guys on the in our fantasy draft last year. He's the type of guy where next year he's going to go to a 4-3 and have like six and a half to eight and a half sacks. Watch. It's going to fucking happen. It's the Bears trying to put fucking round pegs into square holes and vice versa. It's just what they do. There's a reason why people leave Chicago sports and go and fucking excel somewhere else. And that's because... We can't have anything nice. It's just that simple. I think that's what it comes down to. We have incompetence in a lot of front offices. Yeah. I would I would say if there's a couple guys that I would probably uh, 
would say are on the chopping block for when those guys return. I would say Larkavia or Larchavius, Larkavius fucking Simmons, whatever the hell his name is. Um, I don't think he impressed at all during the preseason, and I don't think he's really looked that great. I think he would actually survive on the practice squad. Um, Angelo Blackson, like I said, you also got to remember we got six guys inside it at linebacker right now, and I know everyone loves Caleb Johnson. You know, everyone loves Iggy, and I think Christian Jones. Really has, I think Christian Jones honestly has a lot to prove because I didn't really see a ton from him in the preseason that like really stood out to me either. I know, I know, he's a fan favorite, former Bear, all that stuff, but. He's also another he older linebacker. I don't think he played it. He was in the shitbox era, dude. He was in like the post. He was in like the 2015 era. Well, Wasn't yeah, him no. and John Bostic holding it down for yeah. us for a couple of years but after we had Erlacher and Briggs, and then it was like, yeah, he got he, boom, Bostic. Oh, come man. on, don't don't pretend Shane McClellan. Bostic's still kicking, dude. He's on the he's on the football team. I think he was. Yeah, he was pretty good too. I think he like led for dude. a while through like seven or eight weeks. He like led the league in tackles. He it's like, so weird. Well. In some weird intervention last year, he's actually the dude that like concussed the hell out of Andy Dalton. He um he's actually he's I'm sh- he's had a couple of hits where he's like murdered people. Or, I yeah. saw I well, saw dude, a list. It's that San Diego had, preseason hit, man. That was like the, his best moment as a Chicago Bear. I saw a list today that had Andy Dalton in their top ten uh, Bengals of the 2020 era. So that's true. That is yeah, that you can't is argue that. No, 2010 era, maybe? Like, no, it was all 2000 to 2000, like from the millennial, so after from 2000. 2000 to 2020? Yes, I would put but him in that. Second, second best quarterback of that who, era. Yeah, who else are you going to put in that? I mean, they had dude, uh, Geno Atkins, he's definitely in that. A.J. Brown's definitely in that. But, I mean, dude, he was a 12-year franchise quarterback. He wasn't a bad quarterback when – Are you kidding me? This guy just took Justin Tucker. I'll kill him. I'll kill him. <laughs> but either way, bro, like I feel right now the way the roster looks like – the young guys like the Josh Woods of the world and the Rodney was cut. Yeah, I know. I'm saying he got cut. I'm saying the victims, it is what it is. Like, this is the cost of doing business. You know how it is with the NFL. But I feel like on the offensive line, they have to, like, they need to go out and sign someone next year. They need to, once we get Tevin Jenkins back, put him where he belongs. Like, put him in his spot and we'll see how it goes. But Well, I'll tell you right now, too. If James Daniels can't play healthy, he's done. I'm scared going into week one, looking at our roster currently constructed with the with the running backs the way they look right now. So, I mean, I don't know, but mute your shit because you're. I don't want to hear hey, the running back room. Matthew Barry saying, just, "Quick, make your pick." Is that new this year, bro? No, it's there. It's that no. way every single year. It's that same dude. That's like uh, if you try it, like adding an image. I don't know if you guys try doing that. He'll give you like that stupid little like. This image doesn't work, and it's some weird cartoon. I don't know who the hell that guy even is. I'm gonna draft Mitch just because. That's the worst advice you could possibly give to anyone playing fantasy football. So. Yep, yep. And we did kind of cover the inside linebackers, but after Woods gets cut, now we're only down to five. And like I said, linebackers and I don't mind uh uh extra wide receiver, or I'm sorry, an extra tight end and an extra inside linebacker because those guys can play special teams for you or an extra outside linebacker. So that's always, um, you know, always maybe something a, up there. Maybe but we a got fullback. Maybe a fullback. Yeah. Duke's we're boy Iggy. Duke's boy. six inside linebackers with Caleb Johnson too. Yeah. No, I, they, they cut Josh Woods and Trevathan is on – Trevathan's on IR and they cut They'll Josh Woods. they be out Wood. for, what, four weeks or something They like had that? seven and now – at least three. So they had seven and now it went down to five. So they have Whoa. Iggy, Caleb Johnson – um, Jones, Alec Ogletree, and Roquan Smith are their five inside linebackers on their current 53-man roster. 
So there's five now, and one of the like they're going to have to either have six or maybe cut Iggy or Caleb Johnson. Like that's that's also a possibility. Um, Christian Jones, any of them, but I, I don't see how you know that. Like I'm saying, they've they've kept six before the year with uh, Nick Wachowski. They had KPL, Josh Woods, Iggy, Kwiatkowski, and then Smith and Trevathan. So I don't see it being out of bounds that they keep an extra one when Trevathan comes on. But like I said, one of these guys have to go. Now, if it's one of these dog shit offensive linemen, I'm totally understanding of that. I prefer that because there's no reason you should have – if you can have a minimum of eight linemen on your roster and you have nine and three of them aren't worth putting in the game, then fucking cut them. Like, you know what I mean? Like, don't – try to get someone like Tonga or Gibson put into the practice squad, which I don't know that's what they're going to do, or I don't think that's what they're going to do. But you know, you got three guys that are going to be coming back from, I'm sorry, two guys that are going to be coming back relatively shortly within the first four weeks for defense. And you're going to have to get rid of these guys. And that's not even including like the cornerback. The cornerbacks look rough, bro. Um, But let's go to the OLBs first. We got Atachu, Gibson, Mack and Quinn, Obviously, those are the ones that were going to make it. Um, Atachi came over in that that trade, I believe, from Denver. Uh, it was a trade, or was it just a free agency signing? Don't quote me on it. Either way, Atachi's on the squad. I don't see him going anywhere. Um, I don't know if Duke's going to look that up right now. But now let's get into the cornerbacks, because this is rough. Initial cuts, they just had Jalen Johnson, Duke Shelley, Kendall Vildor, and Crawford, right? That was after after the first cuts, and then they were able to cut Artie Burns. This is how bad Artie Burns is, okay? And I, like I said, I liked him as a depth piece more than some of these other guys because he has starting experience, but Duke is not a fan, obviously. He's so bad that he got cut. Any team could have picked him up, no problem. No waiver claim, no nothing, minimum contract. Oh, yeah, no, we're good. We could sign him right back. So that's the state of the Bears cornerback room, and that makes me worry a ton, especially when you're going to be going against Higby, Woods. I mean, they got some Cooper, guys that can Cooper play over there. Cup. Cooper Cup. Yeah, they got some guys that can play over there. And actually, Cooper Cup doesn't scare me that much because Duke Shelley, in my opinion, outplayed fucking Kendall Vildor in, in this preseason. And maybe it's because Vildor is supposed to be a, a slot cornerback. And maybe they're trying to move him over to the outside way too early in his career. Even though he showed a ton of promise, man, those preseason games did not look good for Kendall Vildor. And I'm a huge fan of his. Yeah, no, And I, I've... I don't know. I kind of want to say like I have I've had this like love hate relationship with Kendall Vildor because it feels like he was like kind of overrated from the jump. Like every it, it was kind of like kind of like this year with every single guy we drafted. With Thomas were, Graham, yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. There was these guys on Twitter who were just raving about him, and I feel like Vildor. Obviously, the talent's there and the upside's there. I can't deny that. That's kind of where the love part of it comes from. But I just. The guy is just not proven to me yet. You know what I mean? Like, I need to see it with my eyes on an NFL football field before I'm buying into that. You know what I mean? I And, like, I, I, I know I'm just going to get tossed for being a freaking homer when it comes to this, but I feel like a guy like Duke Shelley's honestly shown more in real NFL time. Like, that's just where I'm at with the situation. Obviously, there's a size differential, and you have a hard time kind of putting Shelley outside, but – I, I feel like we've seen small corners play outside before, and I feel like in a coverage situation, one-on-one with wide receiver, right now, where I'm at, I think Duke Shelley I trust a lot more than a guy like Kendall Vildor. Well, and, and okay, so kind of to, to pivot here, but I want to get back to Artie Burns because you look at Artie Burns, and it's the same thing, so kind of the same way I feel about Rashad Perriman, and I think Rashad Perriman could carve out much more of a role than Artie Burns can on the Chicago Bears in 2021. But you look at a guy like Trey Roberson and his story, 
Did Artie Burns outplay Trey Roberson? Right? No, but he was a first round pick. And I feel like why not give that guy the opportunity that has had to fight through friction throughout his entire career? Cause they know when, like, you know, when the going gets tough, they're going to fucking fight, right? They're not giving up because they have had to take that uphill battle to their spot. They earned it in the way that they're supposed to. So to me, if you're not going to use these guys very often, if they're just a depth piece, why not go and give it to a guy that deserved it? Why not go, go and give it to a guy that, you know, when it comes down to it, if you need to, Hey, you, can't have a weak spot in your, in your fucking whatever they call that. And in, in 300, everyone's got to have their shield together, right? You know, he's going to hold firm with that shield. I don't know if I could say that about Artie Burns. So it's like, is Trey, and I'm not sitting here saying like, Oh my God, Trey Roberson is so great. And he needed to make the team and whatever. Cause I'm kind of a Homer, but I would just rather see that story be the last depth guy than, especially if the talent is even right. Because I think that overall grit is going to get you over the top. But that's just not that's not the type of team that the Bears have been trying to form. And that's for a few years since Matt Nagy came here. There's not a lot of grit that they try I just, to get. I still really can't wrap my head around that. Like they thought getting rid of Kyle Fuller was a good idea, and then now this is the state of our quarterback. So you know what I'm saying? Like stupid. it's it's fucking ridiculous. It makes no sense. And to like hearing about the Trufant story with his dad being sick and him being away, like give him He a got shot. signed today too by the yeah. by the Saints, who have a pretty good defensive backfield. It's not great, but it seems than we like got they have right no idea what to do with their secondary, and they're going to be putting young guys out in those positions, and those are going to be fighters and guys that you know you're you know what you're going to get as far as like they're going to have the heart and they're going to you know hopefully give us their best shot. But we don't know if they have the talent, and they're going to be going against ones and twos. Haven't been doing that for their entire career. That's the thing too. How do you come up with the decision to sign? I don't know how the formality works. Like if you needed to cut one of these guys in order to put. Danny Trevathan and what's it called on IR first, Tevin Jenkins. Like, I don't know if you needed to make your cuts before your things, but why couldn't you just put him on IR first? And how do you come to the conclusion after watching what Artie Burns has done in the NFL and what Desmond Trufant has done in the NFL? Now, don't get me wrong. Desmond Trufant has that injury history. But just looking at the two, if you're going to pick one veteran for a very minimal salary, how are you picking Artie Burns over Desmond Trufant? Like, Desmond Trufant, when healthy, played at a fucking high level, bro. Like he was a really good corner, solid corner. Kind of like reminds me of what a Prince of Mukamara would be. You know what I mean? Like to, to our 2018 defense, like a solid, not like, oh my God, he's overwhelmingly great, but he's he, at a high level. I would take him over Artie Burns a hundred times out of a hundred. I, I think this might be a tinfoil hat thing, but I, I think you're going to agree with me on this, Lucas. There's something about Matt Nagy with guys who miss practice, regardless of the situation, who miss any significant time, regardless of the situation, that you're just immediately in his doghouse. Like it, it, it's like that. It's like that coach in in middle school or high school. Like if you miss a day of school and you don't go to practice, like your ass is grass for like three weeks. You know what I mean? You're, like yeah, you're just, not starting. Like. Yeah, it's just one of those things where like, they're going to like rip you a new one every chance they get. And I feel like that's kind of like what Nat, Matt Nagy has done. And he did it with like Eddie Goldman last year, even when Eddie Goldman had a pretty legit reason of why he didn't want to play. And even he, he had it happen with Cody Whitehair as well. I believe that he's actually had it happen with Cody Whitehair twice with situations like this. Those are two long-term Chicago bears fan favorites who are like crucial to that locker room. And those are two guys who have found themselves in Matt Nagy's doghouse because even if the reasons are legit, they've missed time. So it has to, you almost kind of think, and I don't want to put any words in anyone's mouth, you know, as much as I want to slander Matt Nagy, I don't want to attack his character or anything like that when it comes to something like this. 
But could it be that because Desmond Trufant, regardless of the reason, missed time in camp, that Matt Nagy didn't want anything to do with him? I think that's a big part. And unfortunately, uh, the reality is, too, I think some of these lower roster guys. Yeah, and I don't I don't know if they know this. I think they know the status of their players. They don't um, reveal it. But the whole with the with the COVID-19 protocols, like it could have quite possibly come down to the fact that Artie Burns is vaccinated and Desmond Trufant isn't. And they don't want to take that risk. Like I could I could see that making a lot of decisions for those bottom of the tier roster spots. Obviously, they're not going to be like, oh, Khalil Mack, you can't play because you don't want to be vaccinated. But for those guys that are on the borderline, I think having a vaccination probably got a lot of guys jobs that maybe shouldn't have gotten them. You know what I mean? I, I don't see that being a tinfoil hat theory even. I think I don't I don't think it's far fetched. And with what you were saying, I, I think it completely aligns with the idea that Matt Nagy is running a high school varsity program. He is the guy that said, Hey, Andy Dalton, you're the senior. I told you you were gonna start. I'm gonna let you get your chance. That's I mean, I, I went on a huge fucking rant about how Matt Nagy is running a high school program and the way he promotes people. And hey, Rashad Coward has been here longer, so we're gonna start him, even though six weeks into it, we're going to find out Sam Musfer is a much better player. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's been consistently bad in terms of the way the roster works, the way it's formed. Um, I don't know. I think that's more on the coaching end too, because I think there has been a lot of talent that's coming in and out of this roster for no reason. Yeah. And it, that's the ex- exact type of nonsense that I'm talking about. Go ahead, beat on. I mean, it. I just think like back to the point that I'm making about Kyle Fuller, it's like they really thought that Desmond Trufant was going to be the guy to replace Kyle Fuller. And they didn't really like what they do. They cut, didn't they? Then they cut Thomas Graham. Did he resign with the practice squad? Yeah. I yeah. feel like yeah. that's a guy who could compete. I would have probably kept him on the roster, but going into an NFL season with only four corners and like one being a second year and the other three just being relatively unexperienced, People are going to just dot the ball all over the field on us, and it's going to get ugly. We're going to need our safeties to almost play cornerback too because we, we really haven't seen these guys outside of the preseason or outside of covering three and fours, not one and twos, not A.J. Browns and Julio Jones. We haven't seen that. I mean, like I said, maybe the younger guys have it in there with the heart, but I just don't think the guys that we have on the roster at that position are of the quality that we should want going into a full NFL season with only four of them. So beat on, I got a question for you. Do you think a guy like Artie Burns has a short leash going into the season and the team is going to look at a guy like Thomas Graham to possibly replace him if Artie Burns falls off a cliff immediately? Yeah, because Thomas Graham, I mean, I know he's a little bit of an older rookie, but Thomas Graham was similar to Eddie Jackson projected to go way higher in the draft than he did. And he got hurt. And that was another Ryan Pace late in the draft fine. And you know Ryan Pace loves his projects, and he loves his guys that he can find late in the round, Darnell Mooney's, Eddie Jackson, all those type of guys that he can prove to jagoffs like us that he knows what he's doing. And then he does it, and then we all shut up, and then we praise him, and then it's a cycle. I, I know you like Pace a lot. I, I don't hate him. I'm not a huge fan of him. But, like, there's certain things like the, like the way they're handling the secondary – that make you wonder, are we really trying to win football games? I, I think I – here's the thing, right? At some point, his alignment with Matt Nagy has turned me off to Ryan Pace. Now, I think as a GM in terms of finding – I don't think there's many GMs better that find late-round talent. I don't. I really – in rounds in, – in the second round, he's been pretty fucking impeccable, even though Anthony Miller might not be the greatest thing. Um, and Adam Shaheen, but he's been impeccable in the second round, which if you look second and third rounders make up most of the NFL rosters. 
Um, in third round, he's been pretty damn good as well. But that four, five, and six, he's been remarkable. And it's it's hard to deny that. I don't even care about the first round misses, quote unquote misses. Because if you really think about it, Leonard Floyd was not a fucking miss. We just didn't value him the way he should have been. Roquan Smith is an absolute hit. Mitchell Trubisky put up 40 on us um, in a preseason game when he was supposed to be the problem. And uh, Kevin White, I mean, fuck, he he. His his shins exploded. How do you predict that? Like he just got cut again too. He was he did. Yeah, no, he's not a good. He's he and there's still a lot of people. You know, you know how much I love DJ and Bucky Brooks. Like DJ was like, dude, he was a freak athlete, way more athletic than Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper was a much more polished receiver. But there's a reason why those two guys were at the top of the board. So I'm not gonna. And realistically, when you look at it, 50 percent of first round picks are busts. That right now, if you really want to call Mitch a bust, which I'll, I'll roll with that. If, you know, he's not a starting quarterback right now, we'll see what happens if he pulls a Tannehill in the next couple of years, you know what I mean? And go or pulls a Jameis Winston goes and kind of gets his time and then goes and gets a starting job somewhere else. Or even a Teddy Bridgewater after his injury, you know what I mean? Like the list goes on and on. We could see if he becomes a viable quarterback in the NFL. Cause right now from what we've seen from him on the Chicago bears, even with our judgment aside of what Matt Nagy is, he wouldn't be considered a good fucking player. Let's just be, we're going to call it, call it a spade a spade, but now you're 50%, right? You got Floyd and, and Smith as your two hits in my opinion, so that you're right on track in the first round. The problem with me is the, the mortgaging, the mortgaging of pushing your problems into the next year, whether it's with draft capital. And I don't even mind the manipulation of the draft board, especially in those late rounds. Cause he always finds a way to get the value back, but the trading of the first round picks is tough. Um, even if it was for Cleo Mack and it just, to me, the way he does his contracts at first, it seemed like he was a master cap manipulator, but it has come back to bite him in the ass. We have a lot of guys that we're going to see dead cap in the next couple of years or guys like Khalil Mack, who he restructures every single year. And now his cap, it's going to be like 32 million by next year, probably. So there are some things he did not well as a GM and I, I'm more than willing to admit it. And like I said, the more he aligns himself with Matt Nagy, the more I don't like him. If he fires Matt Nagy and says the GM, I'm not going to be, up in arms like everyone else will be. Um, but he has kind of left a sour taste in my mouth. Yo, who is uh, in our fantasy league? Who's Milk of Nagnesia? Is that you? <laughs> That's a lap. I love him. That's the best <laughs> name I've ever seen. That is the funniest <laughs> shit. When we were doing the draft, it was the last night. I was dying when I saw that. Milk of Nagnesia. Shout out uh, on tap Sportsnet contributor a lot to side with the coolest name this year for fantasy. Yeah, that's great. Um, <clears throat> and then to get to the last, last, uh, Last position here. I mean, obviously, kicker, punter, and long snapper scales O'Donnell and Santos, but then the safeties. We got Deion Bush, DeAndre Houston Carson, who have been the backups for as long as I can fucking remember at this point. And then you have Eddie Jackson and Tevin uh, uh, Deshaun Gibson Sr., and then you have Marquis Christian, who also made the roster. That's another guy that's probably going to get cut, right, when when Trevathan or Edwards comes back. That's someone that I could see being very expendable um, more than – obviously a Kyrus Tonga or some of these other guys, but comes down at some point, you got to make a hard decision when these guys come back, you got four guys coming back and I see about two guys that I'd be like, okay, yeah, go ahead. Try to get him to the practice squad. And then there's a couple, there's two more guys where I'm like, I don't, I don't like the idea of trying to lose him, you know? Yeah, no, that, uh, that definitely makes sense. Um, and there's also you know, injuries that could happen in the first four weeks, right? That puts someone on IR and because you can rotate on, guys on and off with the new rule before dude, it was like, you had, if you had an IR, he was on the IR for the rest of the year. And then they were like, okay, you could do a halfway season IR. And now it's like every three games you could bring someone back. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not going to lie, dude. I'm not really in love with our safety depth. 
Um, you know, I'm a big Dion Bush guy, but it just feels like every time he gets an opportunity, he gets injured, which that's that's a shame, but it it seems to happen quite a bit with him. Um, I just I don't know. I, I think a lot of people that slander Eddie Jackson will be in for a rude awakening if he gets injured at any point this year because our sec- I feel like our secondary will absolutely fall apart. Oh, I, call, I call for the meat on the table season for him. So I think – and I think right now the way – like I said it earlier, we're going to need our safeties to do more than they've ever done because – We need both our safeties yeah. to be – I really like Deshaun, Deshaun Gibson last year too was yeah, – well. he was nice. He was nice. I liked him. Mm. Absolutely. I just feel like from a defensive standpoint, we're really going to be watching a lot of people just put like 300 yards and three touchdowns on us because I, I just think that's the thing, right? The front seven is fucking, fucking hard, beautiful. It's hard to keep up when you're just getting boat race. You know what I'm saying? But that's yeah. Yeah. No, the front seven's super nice. Super, super nice. Obviously it always is for the bears, but that back four, man. Yeah. We're an injury. And think about, you want to talk about injuries. If Eddie Jackson goes down, he's been knock on wood. He's been relatively healthy. What about Jalen Johnson? That guy, I mean, he's got that uh, the Anthony Miller thing where he separates his shoulder. You can't lose that guy for fucking four weeks for to come back from a separated shoulder. One one bad pop, one bad fucking hit, and he's out for four weeks. And then your starting cornerbacks are Artie Burns, Duke Shelley, and Kendall Vildor. I mean, we're not looking at the same Bears defense we've looked at in the last couple of years. So Matt Nagy needs to get his shit together and put a little bit of firepower together on offense because I think we're going to, like I said, before the dial – it was like if you could score 17, 18 points in 2018, 2019, you're going to win probably half your games. Now I think you're going to have to put up like 25, 26. Yeah, it still is the NFL. Like you still need to have the best players available out there. I don't care about homegrown. I care about homegrown talent. But I'm saying like they could have done way better than what we are trotting out there this Sunday night. They could have done way better. Now it's too late. So we got to go to war with the guys that we got. And hopefully they, you know, they answer the call. I hope they do. And I hope they have great games. But I am not confident going into – this season with our cornerback room like that and with the safeties the way they are as long as everyone stays healthy like you said it should be good and we can hopefully get a career year out of Eddie Jackson I will say I still can't believe I mean you think about it you can people want to talk about the Robert Quinn contract you can directly link Andy Dalton and his contract to um to Kyle Fuller being cut I mean that's the exact money that they saved on him I think one million dollars different and he got a fucking – I think he got a minimum veteran, veteran minimum salary last year. So for us to overpay him by $9 million just to potentially be our starter is insane. And now it's caused a quarter, quarterback conundrum where we know we're starting the inferior quarterback on Sunday night against the Rams. Dude, it gets about a thousand times fucking worse when we consider that we have Nick Foles on a contract as well. Like we have so like, I know I've complained about this before, but we have so much money tied into the quarterback room and we're not even trotting out the best quarterback on the field. And that's going to just frustrate me for a lot of the start of the season. Like I'm going to try my best not to be negative, like about all of it, but it's, uh, I'm just so done with Matt Nagy, dude. I have already hit that point, Duke. I mean, I hate to, I have hit that point where I have already convinced myself the bears are a good team. Like I, I'm, I'm putting aside all logic. Like now that the off season's over and I've been able to analyze things and really, like I, I know logically what's going on, but there's no doubt the Bears are Super Bowl Super Bears. Like they're bound this year because something's gonna happen. The red fucking Rockets, little little Peter's gonna get smashed in and uh, he's gonna get injured or something. Justin Fields is gonna come in, save save the day. Kendall Vildor is going to be off the charts. Like I'm already there mentally. The Bears are going to be good because I have to convince myself they're going to be good in order to essentially do this show and watch them week to week. Cause I know like 
I think no, you're going to be great. I, they're going to be you, great. I think you were right about those edibles at the start of the show. Bears money line. Bears money line. They're going to be great, guys. Like they're you. There's nothing to worry about. Jason Peters is going to be incredible. He's back to prime form. He just wanted to delay his Hall of Fame by one more year. I mean, everything's going to be everything's going to be peachy, dude. Everything's going to be peachy. But it is kind of fucking crazy to think that Nick Foles was worth a draft pick last year and Andy Dalton wasn't, and then somehow find a way to put his cap hit as a higher cap hit than Nick Foles this year. That's truly impressive incompetence. I mean, it's fucking impressive, bro. You're telling me that's the thing, too. They deserve to get the gobble ghoul taken away from Hallis Hall. I think if you go and trade for a guy like Gardner Minshew or you get a guy like Fitz, I don't think you're having nearly as much issues with sitting Justin Fields. The fact that it's Andy Dalton makes it so much worse, bro. Dude, I, I watched so much Andy Dalton with the Cowboys last year, too. Like, that's that's just what is like an added bonus to all this. He was so bad last year. Like, I've seen people try to justify, like, games they won last year. Like, he was awful. They beat awful teams. The only team, the only time he looked decent were against awful teams. Like, he is so bad. Like, this is just not going to go well. I'm sorry. Perfect for Matt Nagy because Matt Nagy's offense only looks decent when it's against awful fucking defenses. Like, I hate Matt Nagy so much. Like, I'm just, I can't believe I'm so over the moon on this guy. Like, I remember this time last year, I was trying to like sell myself on him. Like, you know what? Regardless who we go with the quarterback, I'm going to roll with it. You know, he seems like a real, you know, juiced up guy in the locker room, but God, he is such a fraud. Like yeah, I think we've and we had a good week of practice too. Don't forget that we've already had five. Uh, we've had the five grieving, right? There's like five tools of grieving or whatever. The five phases of grieving, like anger, denial. Like we've done it all. Like we've tried to convince ourselves that Matt Nagy is the guy. At this point now, it's just like, please shut me up. Please prove me wrong. I would love to be fucking wrong, bro. Please, please, just put up put up thirty two against the fucking Rams. And and we're gonna get into the Rams game next please next do. week. In a couple days, I guess, Wednesday. So we got two days before the Rams podcast comes out. But it's not like the Rams got better on defense. I don't think their defense is anywhere near what it was last year. So we'll we'll get into that. That's a nice little teaser. Um, And on that note, yeah, we're Bears on Tap. Go ahead and give us a follow at Bears on Tap or follow on Tap Sportsnet for all of your Chicago sports needs. I'm Lucas Perfetti. You can follow me at Lucas Perfetti. Oh, I'm sorry. Lucas on Tap change my handle i still can't get 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 the routine out um and then also follow that pod guy duke mr duke coughlin and beat on 300 brandon suarez thank you guys we love you so much we'll be back wednesday for your pregame against the rams it feels great to say feels great to say we love you guys and bear down bear down bear down